the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled, The Kingdom Clash. That's The Kingdom Clash, and you can find this message online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call us at any time, 24-7. Here's the phone number, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with the conclusion to The Kingdom Clash. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Thou art my son in whom I am well pleased. That's what he had heard. That was the word of God at the River Jordan. But how does that feed you when you're hungry? With Jesus' glucose level dropping to the ground, it seemed a faint sound in the mind of Christ, an echo of a dream gone by. If means maybe God didn't speak to you in the first place. And maybe he won't feed you now unless you feed yourself. You know, we've heard it said, God helps those who help themselves, right? Well, it's not in your Bible. I think Benjamin Franklin said it. If means it's in your head, maybe. And the only way to know is to prove it true yourself. The devil would have Jesus proved God's word instead of accepting God's word. Did you hear what I said? He would have him prove God's word instead of accepting his word. God has not given his word for you and me to prove. God has given us his word to accept it as living bread. Christ answered the devil with the word of God and let the stones be stones. In the first temptation of Christ, Jesus did not try to prove God true. He accepted the word of God as truth. And he chose the word of God over the bread that could save his physical life. He fed on God's word. Dear heart, that's how we are to live. It's not by what you see in your bank account. It's not by whether or not you have a job that's predictable. It's not whether or not you can see the end and the outcome of your actions. Dear heart, God sustains you because God loves you. And if God asks you to lay down your life here for a future good, lay it down. God will take it up again. Luke 4, 4, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. There are many people today who want to prove God's word rather than believe it. They aren't satisfied with following God's word. They can't prove it. They feel intellectually deficient and embarrassed. They don't feel like they're a good Christian because they can't give a reason for everything that God has said. Dear heart, as our example, Christ was not afraid or embarrassed to obey the word of God even when he didn't understand what it meant. Did you hear me? He didn't have to know all the whys. And that's what faith is, isn't it? To obey God even when it doesn't make sense to you. Christ defeated the devil with the word of God. Jesus was a Bible-believing believer. And he was a person who put his confidence in the scriptures. Luke 4, 5, and the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world 
in a moment of time. The Greek word says in a stigma of time. The Greek word would indicate a puncture, a point, a moment of time. I don't know how the devil did it, but he must be some higher energy being who is able to accelerate thought and accelerate experience to where he can compact so much information into a single instant. And here he was interfacing with the human nature of Christ, pouring tons of information through his mind instantly. How it happened, I don't know. In verse 6, and he said to him, To you, I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it shall be yours. Now God led Israel in the desert to give them a kingdom. Christ knew this. He would expect that in the desert somehow he would receive a kingdom. And now the devil shows up and he offers Jesus the kingdom of the world. He says, it's all being given to me and I'll give it to you. The devil offered Jesus the kingdom singular of the world. Now the 20th century British evangelist Alan Redpath once said, before we can pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. You see, you must be willing to let go of your kingdom to have God's kingdom. Jesus could not accept the kingdom of the world and receive the kingdom of heaven at the same time. The two kingdoms clash and one must crash. The two kingdoms are incompatible empires. And what the world has to offer cannot stand beside what God has to offer you, dear heart. Napoleon Bonaparte once said this. He said, I am surrounded by priests who repeat incessantly that their kingdom is not of this world, and yet they lay their hands on everything they can get. And so the devil offered Jesus everything you get. Everything in the world, he said, I'll give it to you, it's yours. Now the Greek word for world is oikomene, and it means in ancient Greek literature, the inhabited world of the Greek culture in contrast to the barbarian world of the frontier. It means the civilized Greek world. Now in Jesus' day, the inhabited world of Greek culture was the Roman Empire. The city of Rome was the center of the oikomene, It was the capital of the kingdom of the earth. And you know what the devil did? He offered Jesus the Roman Empire in the desert and the throne of the city of Rome. Set your kingdom up in Rome, he said. I will make you sit upon the throne of the Caesars. Rome was built on seven hills. Perhaps he took him to the highest hill, to the high place, and showed him the grandeur of all the world. And Rome is the queen of the cities of the world, the center of the oikomene of the inhabited Hellenistic world. It was the place where civilization moved out. He said, I will yank the emperor Tiberius off his throne in the city of Rome, and I will give you the seat of the emperors. Hail Caesar! Hail Jesus Christ! And at the time of Christ, the Jewish people were oppressed by the Romans. The devil offered Christ a quick fix to end the oppression of Rome. I will make you king over Caesar. Hail Christ! The ancient Roman philosopher Seneca, some believe he was converted to Christianity. He once said, a good mind possesses a kingdom. Jesus said no to the kingdom of Rome. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a temptation. I mean, if you had power to be the most powerful man in the world or woman in the world, don't tell me you wouldn't be tempted by it. Christ was tempted. He valued, though, the kingdom in his head more than the devil's empire. I don't want your kingdom of dirt. I don't want the city on seven hills. I want God's word. And just before he died, Johnny Cash recorded a song called Hurt. It's funny, this song surfaces from time to time when people are trying to describe something that's meaningless. His recording portrayed the futility of his entire musical career without Jesus Christ. You know, many of our young people and some of our older people try to idolize artists like Johnny Cash, 
the Beatles. There's many others, you know. Because they're older doesn't make them better. This man lived a life that was mostly wasted, and he admitted it. Because he was not centered in Jesus Christ. And I think of fine Christian artists like you and others who dedicate their entire life to Christ. I mean, those are the people we need to be listening to in our spare time. And I want to encourage you to remove stuff from your music pantry, whatever it is, and put the stuff there that really gives honor to God. But he turned in his latter years and he started doing more Christian music. His wife, June, died. And shortly before he died, which was shortly after her death, he recorded this song called Hurt. And I think it was written by Nine Inch Nails. His recording portrayed the futility of his entire musical career without Jesus Christ. He sang, I hurt myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. The needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting, try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. What have I become? My sweetest friend. Everyone I know goes away in the end, and you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. I wear this crown of thorns upon my liar's chair, full of broken thoughts I cannot repair. Beneath the stains of time, the feelings disappear. You are someone else. I am still right here. What have I become? My sweetest friend, everyone I know, goes away in the end. And you can have it all. My empire of dirt. The devil offered Christ an empire. The empire of the world. And Christ said you can have it all. It's an empire of dirt. It has no future. It's not the will of God for me. And I will not take your empire. And dear heart, when God offers you something that you think is good, and it stands in contrast to God's word, it's an empire of dirt. Christ said no to the power of Rome. He said no to the fame of Rome. No to the wealth and riches of Rome. He turned his back on the beautiful women of Rome. He rejected the theater of Rome. Its massive entertainment system in Rome. He rejected the thrills, the entertainment, the focus, the glory and the grandeur of Rome with all its power. In the desert, Jesus chose a different kind of kingdom. If the kingdom of this world is all there is to life, Jesus chose to die and end his life. He chose to die of hunger in the desert before he would take the throne of Rome and turn his back on God's word. Christ was hungry for a different kind of world with better bread than the Roman bread that turns to dirt. Luke 4, 8. And Jesus answered the devil, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You know, we go to church today, we live in an age where Christian teachers are telling people, it doesn't matter what you do, really. God loves you. Well, dear heart, because God loves you, it matters a lot what you do. The choices you make, the decisions that are part of your life course, you know, what you do with those DVD players, what you do with the money you spend for the theater, it matters a lot what you do. Dear heart, God loves you and you have been forgiven. You don't have to second guess that. But because God loves you and because you've been forgiven, you know what? He has set you free from this stuff. God's kingdom is not a kingdom of dirt, and we shouldn't be filling our minds, our hearts, and our spare time with it. Our focus must be His kingdom, because the kingdoms clash. Like the spirit of Christmas past and the Christmas carol, the devil took Jesus by the collar, and he lifted Him high in flight to the city of Jerusalem, His last temptation. And in the Old Testament, God lifted Ezekiel the prophet and carried him away just like this. 
The devil is acting like God. He is offering Jesus the role of his prophet. The devil here, as he's looking like he's the angel of the Lord, carrying the prophet to the top of Jerusalem's highest point. Verse 9, Luke 4, and he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, that famous word, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will give his angels charge of you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. As Jesus stood upon the pinnacle of the temple, it didn't take much effort to figure out that an angel had airlifted him to the spot on which he stood. He was standing there because angel power had placed him there. And now that angel was saying, God will send his angels to lift you up. Jump down and feel God lifting you up on angels' wings. Did he not say in the Old Testament, I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. You're Israel, right? Expect it to be true. In this last temptation, the devil dazzles Jesus with a sense of religious euphoria. Feeling instead of faith is what is happening here. The thrill of religion over obedience to God's Word. The leap into the dark instead of trusting the Word of God that he heard at the River Jordan in the light. Now in all three temptations, Jesus met the devil with the Scriptures with the Word of God, not His feelings, not His body cravings, not His desires, but the Word of God. And now He finishes the job with the Scriptures. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, the devil said. Jesus didn't have proof that He was the Son of God. When He started His ministry, He couldn't prove it to be true. There was only one way to prove it. He had God's Word. He had heard it in the evidence of Scripture. He had read it, but He didn't have absolute proof. To prove it true, he would have had to access his own divine power and he would have ended the game of faith right there on the spot. We can't live that way on earth, can we? We can't access power to get what we want when we want it. Can we do that? No. If Christ had proved to the devil he was the Son of God, he would have ceased to be our example. We have to trust God's power instead of using our own. Jesus didn't put God's word to the test. Jesus accepted God's word. He tested everything by the word of God. And dear heart, that's how you're supposed to live. That's how I'm supposed to live. By the word of God. William Law said, if you have not chosen the kingdom of God first, it will in the end make no difference what you have chosen instead. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And you do it through his word. Luke 4.12, and Jesus answered him, it is said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Before Christ could preach the good news of the kingdom of God, he had to renounce the kingdom of the world first. The devil offered him his empire of dirt, and Christ said, note it, I don't want it. In the book of Revelation, there is a counterfeit trinity at the end of time and a counterfeit Christ at the end of time. There's an offer at the end of time to the church that is in the wilderness. There's a parallel between the temptation of Christ and the people of God at the end of time. And there is an antichrist power that looks just like the devil... He's in the image of the devil. And the word of God is the only foundation to withstand him. Revelation 16, verse 13. And I saw issuing from the mouth of the dragon, from the mouth of the beast, from the mouth of the false prophet, three foul spirits like frogs. Instead of God's word, evil spirits come from this false trinity of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet to deceive the entire world at the end of time. Three unclean spirits instead of three angels' messages. 
And the dragon is a counterfeit of God the Father. The beast is a counterfeit of Jesus Christ the Messiah. And the false prophet is a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. He brings fire, Holy Spirit fire, false fire, down from heaven instead of God's fire. And in the book of Revelation, God gave Jesus authority and a throne after he defeated the devil of the cross. In the New Testament, Christ is the image of the unseen God. The beast, in contrast, is the image of the dragon. The dragon in the book of Revelation has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that follows the dragon in the book of Revelation has seven heads and ten horns. The beast looks like the dragon. In Revelation 3.21, God the Father gave Jesus His throne. In Revelation 13.2, the Satan gave His throne to the beast. The Bible says the beast that I saw was like a leopard, its feet was like a bear's, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And here's the phrase. And to it the dragon gave his power, his throne, and great authority. The dragon in Revelation 12 is Satan working through Rome. Here, the dragon, Satan, who controlled the Roman Empire, gave his throne, his capital, and great authority to the beast. In the New Testament, Jesus had a three and a half year ministry, which is 42 months. In Revelation 13, 5, the beast persecutes for 42 months. In Revelation 1, 18, Christ is the one who lived and then he died and he returned from the dead. In Revelation 17, 8, the beast lived and then he dies and he returns from the dead at the end of time. Let's look at the verse. The beast that thou sawest was, is not, and shall ascend from the bottomless pit. That means he comes to life, he gets resurrected. And so it's very clear here, Satan has taken the place of God the Father. In Daniel 7.23, the scripture says the beast is the world kingdom system. The beast is the world kingdom system that has taken the place of Jesus Christ. Dear heart, people look to the world, they look to political leaders for what they should be looking to Jesus for, peace and security. The beast is the child of the devil. The kingdom of the world is the antichrist in the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, the woman rides the beast. Now, who is the woman? Revelation 19.7, the bride of Christ is a woman clothed in white, pure. In Revelation 17.18, there's another woman, not the bride of Christ. The harlot of Revelation is the city that has religious dominion over the kings of the earth. Revelation 17.18, and the woman which thou sawest is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Now, at the time of Christ, that city was the city of Rome. At the end of time, the Bible predicts that this great city, which is the harlot city, the great city deceives the religious, the economic, and political world at the end of time. At the end of time, this great city will misrepresent Jesus Christ to the nations. This city will be married to the beast, which is the world kingdom system, a fusion of church and state that brings oppression globally. Her lover will be the Antichrist, the world kingdom system. The harlot represents a false church system that is in the wilderness when Jesus returns in all his glory. The Bible says in Revelation 17:9 that she sits on seven hills. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Dear heart, there's only one city on earth that fits the description that is given in the book of Revelation right here. You figure it out. At the end of time, she is in the wilderness. She is a church system that is in the wilderness. And she is choosing what Jesus rejected. She is choosing the kings of the earth instead of God's coming kingdom. Christ refused the kingdom of the world in the wilderness when the devil offered it to him. 
a false church system in Christianity that is a global political power at the end of time will gladly accept it, the kingdom of the earth, instead of the kingdom of God, which is coming in the clouds of glory. And at the end of time, the harlot seduces the kings of the earth and the wilderness with the wine of this harlot church system that is called Babylon so that they will be destroyed. Revelation 17, verse 1, and one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me saying, Come here and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. Christ refused the kingdom of the world in the wilderness. At the end of time, this church system will accept it. Christ is coming to you sitting on a white horse, and he will throw the beast, the false prophet, into the lake of fire. And this harlot will be burned with fire, according to Revelation 17. And then he will take the dragon, the devil, who tempted him in the desert. And he will tie him up with a great chain and throw him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. Hey, when kingdoms clash, one crashes down. It's not the kingdom of Jesus that will bite the dirt. The kingdom of the world and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Dear heart, you have a choice to make. Which kingdom is yours? The kingdom of the world has no future. The kingdom of Christ will endure forever. What decisions are you making in your personal life? Where are your values? Where is the focus of your heart? Who do you love the most in life? Dear heart, the call for us is clear today. Christ is calling us not to the empire of dirt, which is the kingdom of the world. Christ's kingdom is an eternal kingdom that is not of this world. Dear heart, He's looking for hearts that are hungry for more than what's here. He's looking for people who want the Bible, who want the living Christ, who want the future that is everything. He's looking for that. 1 John 2, 15 to 17. I'd like to end with these words. John the Beloved wrote, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and the lust of it But he who does the will of God abides forever. Dear heart, God's kingdom will stand. God's kingdom is beautiful. God's kingdom is worth letting go of the rubbish the world would have us wrap our lives around. You know, I want to see more of you on prayer meeting on Wednesday night. You know, you can stay home and watch some flick on your DVD player. Come to prayer meeting. Experience the living bread that we get from Jesus Christ. His kingdom will last forever. Why? Because Christ's kingdom is not an empire of dirt. Dear Father, you know there are people here, and that person may be me on occasion, where we struggle with the world because we live in it. And Father, they know who they are. If you're that person, just raise your hand and say, I've been struggling with worldliness in my life. Every eye is closed and the heads are bowed. Father, we ask to be in this world, but not of it. Father, the kingdoms clash. And I pray, O Lord, that as we near the second coming of Jesus Christ, may the Spirit's voice be heard well in this place. And may you touch our hearts anew and teach us that man does not live by what the world offers, 
that we aren't renewed by our entertainment systems, that we don't get sustenance from our IRA, we aren't sustained by how much money we do or don't have. Father, bless your people with the living Christ, with the hatamid, with a daily bread that makes us live. And Father, thank you that in Jesus, circumstances don't matter. The Word of God matters. And thank you that His kingdom is not a kingdom of dirt. Thank you that it is an eternal kingdom that will never, ever pass away. Bless your people here with that kind of kingdom, with surrender to Him, and the peace that comes because they have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. If this message has ministered to you, remember there are many more just like it at reachingyourheart.com. If you're a regular listener to this broadcast or if you've just tuned in for the first time and have been inspired by this sermon and you'd like to partner with us to help keep these radio broadcasts on the air, you can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. One of our team is available to assist you right now. We believe God is moving across the globe, touching lives and reaching hearts. And you are helping make this a reality with your gift of any amount. Spiritualism in a variety of forms is making its way through the Western world. The afterlife, the spirit world and spirit mediums can be found in movies, best-selling books and popular TV programs. These themes are making their way into our children's entertainment even if we had this free book to help you understand things a little bit better entitled Dark Tunnels or Bright Lights. This book candidly reveals biblical truth about this subject and pulls the curtain aside to reveal why there is so much interest in this topic. The book reveals the deceptions of spiritualism based on biblical teachings so that you can confidently discern truth from error as the topic continues to gain momentum across all levels of society. Now, this book is absolutely free. You can simply call us at 1-888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE, day or night, 24-7. Thanks for tuning in, and we pray that God is reaching your heart and growing you up in Christ through these messages. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.